I think it's important for parents to recognize that education is really a lifelong process and that we don't have to know everything in order to be able to teach our own children. In fact, I think it's incredibly valuable when we learn right alongside them because then they can see, they can see us model the very behaviors that we want them to emulate. Hello and welcome to Safe Travels. I'm your host, Damien. The Safe Travels podcast is about finding expert advice so that you can enjoy worry-free travel. You just heard my guest, Karen Ricks, who is a veteran teacher. She started a Montessori school in Japan and she and her husband are world schooling their son as they travel around the world. The topic of today is world schooling. Coronavirus is wreaking havoc on fall school plans for many. A lot of families are considering a change to doing homeschool, or maybe some are thinking about taking a little time to travel and do what's called world schooling or road schooling. There are a lot of different terms. It's a very large topic, and that is why Karen provides so much help in today's show. We talk about some specifics, but she has a way of speaking about world or homeschooling that's much more of a pep talk for parents who are confronting this decision and seem a little bit overwhelmed. She talks about de-schooling, which is a vital first step before anything else. She talks about some of the different styles of homeschooling, but she really aims all of this information at those just thinking about it now. So if you're new to the idea, I think you will get a lot of value out of the show. There will be show notes. She has a lot of resources that I will be posting. To find that, you can go to our Twitter feed at Safe Travels FM. Please enjoy this discussion with Karen Ricks. Karen, thank you very much for joining today. Thank you so much for having me, Damien. Would you mind introducing yourself to the audience just with a quick overview of who you are, what you do, and your area of expertise? Absolutely. My name is Karen Ricks, and I am the head chef of Our Kitchen Classroom, which is, an, just like it sounds, an online cooking school where the focus tends to be on food, but we really use the food as a learning medium for all manner of exploring every possible subject under the sun. And I actually came to that after selling the International Montessori School that I founded in Japan during the 10 years that my family and I lived there. So I have been teaching for almost 25 years now. My son was raised in that International Montessori School. And after moving on to cooking school in Italy from there, I have continued to travel the world with my family. And this is is the manner in which we continue to share all of the incredible world schooling uh, experiences and the lifestyle that we now lead with our friends and family and fans all over the world. Fantastic. So that's the topic today. We're talking about with coronavirus, so many families, I think, are considering either homeschooling or maybe a gap year road schooling sort of situation. But either way, they're looking at having their kids under their control for learning and teaching and, and schooling. So we wanted to get some tips today. And it seems like you have a great background in it. The Montessori aspect is certainly interesting. How would you describe your overall strategy if you had to summarize it quickly? How do you do it in your family? Well, with our family, I guess if we had to classify ourselves, I would say that we are a radical, unschooling, world-schooling family. There are a lot of different components to the way that we learn, but essentially we live as if school didn't exist, which is the unschooling part of it. And I say radical unschooling because that's not limited to just certain hours of the day when my son, even myself and my husband, we explore the things that we want to learn based on our interests and the resources that are available to us wherever we happen to be in the world. But we learn literally from everyone we meet, everywhere we go, and every different 
activity in which we participate. And we recognize that there is a lot of amazing learning to experience just in living our daily lives. So I I do want to ask about specific curriculum and and keeping on track with a lot of the classic subjects, but I'd love if you can expand on, before we do that, on the Montessori aspect. So first of all, if you could just describe maybe the Montessori style and then maybe how that is involved in how you are teaching. Absolutely. So I do consider myself a Montessorian at heart, and Dr. Maria Montessori founded a style of learning that is really focused on following the child. So it's truly learner-led. And what she did was spend a lot of her medical time and training observing and creating the sorts of didactic materials, the hands-on learning implements that help to translate concepts theoretical concepts into really concrete things that especially young learners can hold in their hands, things for weight and numbers and measurements. And what she did was build up an entire learning environment filled with these tools. They're colorful and attractive, not just lots of plastic toys, which is what a lot of parents see when they first enter into a Montessori learning environment, but attractive learning materials that really call out to each child that says, come and explore. So Montessori learning, as I said, at its heart is truly learner-led. And so much research continues to support all of the amazing theories that she posited over a hundred years ago. So back to, this is a big topic, so I'm sorry for kind of jumping around a little bit. The way you described what you do, it sounds like Montessori is a big part of that, certainly. It's using your environment, and it it certainly takes your background and your skills and, and your husband's, I assume, to kind of find those areas where you can find some a teaching opportunity. When I when I talk about the Montessori learning environment, it's really focused on providing those sorts of attractive ideas to encourage children to explore at their leisure. And so Montessorians like myself spend a lot of time in our own training, but also in observation, observation of what attracts a child to their learning, what sorts of things continue to draw them in, and observations of what questions they ask in order to really develop the sorts of lessons that will help them continue to follow on, to dive deeper into those areas that they want to learn and explore and study more. So when you asked about uh, curriculum, for example, and you know the classical studies, as many people think of school in terms of very separate subject, Montessori covers all of those things, but not necessarily as separate individual constructs. Really, everything it follows a much more organic path. And that's one of the reasons that I love incorporating food and cooking so much into that, because it is a natural daily process in our lives that incorporates things like reading and math concepts in a very practical way. You say organic path. So just using cooking as an example, it can incorporate, as you say, reading and math and things like that. In your schedule, do you have a time where you actually sit down and and will work through math? 
um, working through a goal just to make sure that your child is meeting a certain benchmark or somewhere where you would like him to be? Or is it much more organic than that? Much more organic than that. And perhaps a lot of that is because of the work that I've done, not only as an educator, but as the parent to a very independent child. But I don't have this mental idea of certain benchmarks that he needs to meet at specific ages or stages in his life. What's most important to me is that he's excited about learning because when that happens, when the motivation is truly internal and I can provide him with the resources or he knows how to seek out the necessary resources, he can learn anything that he wants and he can go completely at his own pace. So we've covered Montessori a little bit and the idea behind that. Let's go through a few more terms. So how would you describe homeschooling? Well, homeschooling... As people traditionally think of it. Sure. I think of homeschooling as the opportunity for parents and their children to come together and really take charge of their educational journey. And that can take so many different directions. It's Homeschooling has just as many varieties and variations as there are people and families that are doing it, really. So how would somebody go about choosing their style of homeschooling? Well, it's at that point that parents and families are really starting to consider homeschooling that I usually stop them and back up a little bit to talk about de-schooling first. Mm. And let me explain what that is. De-schooling is a process during which parents and children take time away from the school model stepping completely out of whatever construct school has been in their lives, in their experience, in order to really just focus on living their lives and deepening the relationship of trust and communication and understanding. Now, the reason that I feel that that is so very important for families that are preparing to or considering embarking on this homeschool journey is because each individual's expectations, their communication and learning styles can be very, very different. And while one parent might have had a wonderful school experience and be ready to undertake a traditional style school schedule and curriculum in the home setting, another parent might have had a very completely different experience and might hope to do things in a very different manner. And then with each child's learning styles or interests or even their experience in school, if they have already attended traditional school before embarking on homeschooling, all of those different things can bring so much baggage, essentially, into the process that recreating school at home straight out of the gate can end up causing a lot of conflict in the familial relationship and really interfering with the learning that uh, especially parents might hope to see and that children might hope to gain. So mm-hmm. by stepping away from school for a while and de-schooling, as I said, parents really have an opportunity to deepen their relationship with the children to who they are and what really drives them. And they also have an opportunity as adults to really deeply consider and find clarity around what their expectations are for their homeschooling journey as a family. And when you have the opportunity to do that, then you have a lot better idea what sort of curriculum or not you might choose to follow. And you can create a more distinct 
educational journey for the family that makes sense for all of the members involved. Sounds like you're sort of hitting a, a reset switch on education. You say it's stepping away. Can you get a bit more specific just about what that actually looks like? I, yes. I can certainly understand the concept, but timeframes, what you might be doing, because I'm sure there's an actual process. It's not just doing nothing for a little while. I'm sure there's more specifics to it. Well, it probably is going to feel a lot like that for adults for a little while. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there are some guidelines that I like to encourage parents to consider as they embark on their de-schooling journey. And the first of that is how much time they're going to take in that process. We're in the middle of summer right now. And while a lot of parents are considering whether or not their children are going to return to a traditional school setting in the fall or not, some parents think, oh, okay, well, we'll have summer vacation. And so that'll be enough time for us to step away from school. And then we'll figure things out and we'll jump right back in when the children would have normally started school. And so the first thing that I want to recommend is that the time that the family takes for that de-schooling process at least a month or more for every year of traditional schooling. So if, for example, you have a child who has attended six years of traditional schooling, you want to set aside a minimum of six months for that child to be outside of that schoolish sort of mentality. Now, this is really for the parents to understand as well, because when we think about it, as adults, not only have we had a lot longer period of formal schooling ourselves usually, but a lot more time for those expectations to build up. And so I always caution parents that that time frame is really intended for children who have been in traditional schooling, but that the adults will likely need a little bit more time. And this is where it's really important to follow the child. The other thing that is important to consider during that de-schooling process is to focus on, as I said, the relationship building and what learning looks like without any sort of formal teaching or instruction. I've heard parents who say, well, they're de-schooling in the afternoons, but you know, at least during the morning, they're doing some formal reading and math training. <laughs> That's not de-schooling. Mm -hmm. um, actually taking the time to leave all of the schoolish stuff behind and just do things like maybe plan a family outing or to sit down and talk as a family about how your individual school experiences really were, what you liked about it, and maybe what you didn't, especially for adults to really delve deeply into the sorts of expectations that you have for your child and what learning really looks like to you. And talk about all of the wonderful things you would like to do together while you spend that time at home. I like to talk to parents about this almost as a sort of planning an extended vacation from school so that there's a lot of fun and enthusiasm in the process. Because when that happens, the lines of communication between adults and children really open up. And that's when the, the deepest feelings you know, even fears and insecurities really start to come out and people feel more comfortable talking about those things with one another. So again, it sounds like you're doing nothing, but I'm sure there's guidance for the parent to make sure that this de-schooling process is not simply doing nothing for a while, because you just mentioned a lot of goals. There are goals in this. It's figuring out your relationship and how you learn. Are there ways that 
parents can be helped through this process of de-schooling? Absolutely. The first thing that I would recommend for parents to do is while they're going through this process of de-schooling, to seek out other parents who are farther along in that homeschooling journey. And there are so many educational consultants, unschooling, homeschooling, road schooling, world schooling, families, and coaches and consultants out there who can share their stories and provide insights about what that process looked like for them at various stages in their time de-schooling. I'm a part of a lot of different homeschooling and world schooling communities where the families just really love to share stories. Sometimes they're the success stories, you know, where parents are ooing and aahing about this amazing thing that their child did because they were spending all day, all week, all month diving down this rabbit hole of something that really interested them. That interested them. And when they came up for air, they had created something amazing that really just demonstrated to the parents how much they were learning and all the fascinating things that were happening inside that child's brain that they just really had no idea was going on. But it's also important to connect with other parents, other adults who have gone through this process to help work out, you know, as I said, the fears and the sorts of concerns that come up in this journey. There is a lot of talk about learning gaps or about children keeping up or falling behind. And so in the de-schooling process, as much as I urge parents to sort of leave those terms and forget about comparisons and competitions and learning schedules and timelines, when that is all that you have known for decades, it's really difficult to just set that aside or to leave it behind. And so spending that time reading about how children learn, uh, about what unschooling or homeschooling or world schooling looks like for other similar families, whether it's where you live or where you would like to live or other families who share similar values as yours. It's really helpful to see both the positive and even some of the negative aspects reflected in other people's journeys to reassure parents that their worst fears are not necessarily going to come true and that there are a lot of positive things that they can look forward to as they embark on this educational journey that looks like nothing they've ever considered before. You just mentioned a lot of resources and I think it's too many to mention here, but I will certainly get in touch with you and we'll post those in the show notes so that people can have a little bit of guidance on some of that. Absolutely. So, uh, so we've talked about de-schooling, which seems like it's sort of the first step here. And yes. that's a big, that's a big topic on its own. And then as far as style, so you talked a little bit about Montessori mm -hmm. and you've talked a bit about your, your own family style. Can we talk a little bit about some of the other ones? So you mentioned uh, unschooling. Can you yes. speak a little bit about that? Well, unschooling, as I said, it's really sort of living as if school does not exist. And so the learning really just happens in a very natural and organic way based on how the family lives their day-to-day -day life. Now, what's important to remember is that unschooling doesn't necessarily mean that there are no means of formal instruction. In fact, even as an unschooler, my child is often engaged in a variety of learning platforms, things like Khan Academy, for example, when he got really curious about algebra and the Pythagorean theorem. And while every parent might not necessarily be 
the most educated on every single subject, it's wonderful to know that there are a lot of great resources out there that you can explore with your child and to which you can direct your child for their own independent learning journey that can help to explain things if the parent is not as comfortable as the educator in that sense. And so we discovered books, we explored all manner of geometry, we laid out patterns of Legos and blocks and tiles. And Khan Academy was another formal learning platform that he enjoys exploring, watching and listening to other educated professionals explain concepts and demonstrate ideas in ways that I or his father might not. So it seems like, boy, there's so many different styles here. So what would be another popular route that people would take? Is unschooling on the, on the more rare side? Uh, I wouldn't say it's rare, but then it's really hard to know as homeschoolers as a general population are just as wide and varied as the global population itself. I think when first stepping out of a traditional school environment, many parents are still of the mindset of the expectation that their children are going to have uh, set lessons that they might follow on a daily or weekly basis. And so there are a lot of popular uh, pre-boxed curricula that they can purchase. I do think it's important to mention, especially for those families in the United States, that the homeschooling laws and expectations vary from one state to the next. And for a global audience, really, because those expectations do vary from one country to the next around the world. So it's important to know the laws where you live so that you can follow those things. And for your listeners who are in the United States, I recommend you check out hslda.org. And what's that organization? HSLDA is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And that's a nonprofit that helps to really advocate for parents' rights in taking charge of their children's education. Okay. So that doesn't speak to uh, regulations in different states, but it's really, it's, it's a group that will support parents looking into doing this. Well, not only does it support parents who are looking to homeschool, but they do actually have resources that outline the various homeschool laws by state across the United States. And so it is a wonderful resource for parents who are looking to explore specifically what those laws are and how they can take advantage of the sort of protections that they have. You mentioned a little bit ago, I think a common fear people would have is their children falling behind, use that phrase. And I think that's spot on because you feel like if you're not following a plan mm -hmm. that they're just going to get behind in certain subjects. Yes. And then you also mentioned pre-box curriculum. In that case, are you talking about online resources where I think K-12 is one where you can actually enroll your child in this online school yes. and they will give you more clear guidance as far as what you're following as far as teaching them in an effort to make sure they're not falling behind. Is that a fair way to say it? That's correct. The different boxed curricula have a variety of different plans, some of which include essentially distance learning that is done in the home. And so uh, one particular curricula might have a set schedule uh, video or live lessons that children follow on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis, including textbooks and workbooks and tests and all of those things that are applied so that it 
really is as if the child is attending school just in the home. And then there are some that provide all of those materials to the parents and don't necessarily have a set schedule but simply say, if you would like to do the math programs that we provide, these textbooks and these workbooks and these different tests in order to provide assessments at various stages throughout the process. And many of them also provide mentors or consultants that parents can check in with at various times throughout the process to evaluate and assess how their children are learning. Mm -hmm. Then there are also what are known as umbrella schools. And in that sense, parents can enroll their children in this umbrella school from wherever they are. And they have the overarching school structure that can provide them with the necessary reporting that might be required for their state or wherever they live, providing things like progress reports and grade reports and even eventually transcripts if they should want or need them. And they might provide as much or as little guidance as the parents have requested in actually administering or evaluating a set curricula. Well, one of my questions was going to be the ability to combine styles. So if you wanted to do a much more organic approach with a little bit of guidance, it sounds like you could use some of these online resources to give you some of that structure, but then also combine that with an organic method. Would that be possible, do you think? Absolutely. Many of the umbrella schools or homeschool support and consulting agencies provide teams of mentors, online extracurricular activities that allow parents to follow their own more eclectic or piecemeal curriculum, something that they can put together based on their family's interests and desires and requirements. We've spoken about some specifics, the way that you do things with your family mm -hmm. and then some unique things like unschooling and maybe some more unique ways of doing this. Yeah. But if we can shift to speaking to the general audience, because I think the concept of homeschool oftentimes means recreating school at home, you know, yes. whether that's a good, a good plan or not a good plan. But I'd love to ask you a few questions. I think a big thing that people bring up is the social life aspects and concerns about that. How do yeah. you address that? How, how do you address that in your family? And then how would you speak to more of a broad audience in addressing that? Well, I like to say that as an extrovert myself, I really have a lot of social capital to draw upon in order to engage myself, my child, my entire family in a variety of activities that ensure that social interaction is never a concern. Now, I understand that not all parents are social individuals. Uh, having run my own school, and created the sorts of not just school events, but large community events that draw hundreds of people, I have a lot of experience bringing people together. And so I encourage those parents who are extroverted, who are involved in their communities to really just make sure that they reach out and include their children in that as well. For parents who might be a little bit more introverted or have less experience doing those things, there are many homeschool cooperatives around the world, groups of parents who are coming together that might be homeschooling their children as individual families, but are also looking to broaden their social circles with other families, with other like-minded individuals who want to enjoy that of community wherever they might happen to live. And so different co-ops might have special homeschooling days where they you know, take field trips or go on outings or come together with 
uh, a special teacher to guide a workshop or a class where the children can come and participate in these special events or activities together. And it really helps to create the sort of social environments that I know a lot of parents might fear having maybe an only child or keeping their children at home and expecting that they'll only be interacting with their parents. That definitely does not have to be the case when they're homeschooling. In fact, I like to joke that my child uh, gets so much social interaction that many people are surprised that he doesn't attend formal schooling as we travel around the world because he's very comfortable interacting with children and adults alike. It's a common misunderstanding, I think. When people hear the word homeschooling, they think that the kid will not know how to interact with anybody, other children, adults, and I've never experienced that from people that I've met or spoken to. Right. That's really a myth that people who are extroverted and people who are introverted attend both traditional school or homeschool. And there are people who are comfortable interacting in social situations and people who are less so. But just like everything else in our life, that is something that we practice and something that we have valued and prioritized as a family. So that is just as much a part of our curriculum, if you will, as reading and writing and arithmetic. What are some of the biggest challenges that homeschoolers face and how would you advise them to overcome them? I think the biggest challenge for many adults is really taking that first step to take ownership of their family's educational journey. For so many years, many of us as adults have been told that education is something that belongs in the realm of professionals. And yet, many adults who have been educated throughout this system by these professionals don't feel confident enough in their own learning to be able to pass that on in a significant way to their own children. And when I point that out to many parents, they it's like a light bulb goes off in their head and they realize, well, wow, if everything I learned was so great, why don't I feel comfortable sharing that with my child too? And maybe that's something that helps them to reconsider the value of the traditional education that they received. I think it's important for parents to recognize that education is really a lifelong process and that we don't have to know everything in order to be able to teach our own children. In fact, I think it's incredibly valuable when we learn right alongside them because then they can see, they can see us model the very behaviors that we want them to emulate. They can see what it looks like to transition from not knowing something to going through this process of whatever it takes for us to gather or find the necessary resources to study and learn, to practice, even to go through the process of being uncomfortable (laughs) demonstrating or explaining something or learning a new concept or a new practice and then applying it. How is that helpful moving forward in my daily life and making it a truly meaningful part of our lives? With all of your years of experience, is there something that you wish you knew when you first started doing this? Honestly, you know, I wish that I had known just how much fear there was for so many other parents in embarking on this journey of taking ownership of their educational process. As a brand new parent myself, I opened up my own school and it wasn't in my passport country. And a lot of people told me, well, you can't do that. That's not possible. And yet with a four-month-old child on my hip, that's exactly what I did. And 
the longer I do this, traveling all over the world, the more I see that there are a lot of adults out there who have such a, a very rigid concept of what education has to look like that they've never considered the possibility of doing something outside of the four walls of a traditional school. And so I get more and more excited the more parents I'm able to share our really rather unconventional educational journey with because it gives them the opportunity to expand their ideas of what learning can look like and how much fun it can be. It's interesting to hear the word fear because it, this should be the most natural thing on the planet, right? To have yes. a child and then, and then teach them. Yes. So does the fear come from... Have we just been taught that school is a big, complicated thing, yes. that there are a lot of tests, there's a lot of systems that you need to be instructed on how to do these things, mm -hmm. and it's just, it's overcomplicated? I, I think so. Unfortunately, yes. I mean, when we look around at our fellow human beings, we have no idea when someone first learned to walk or talk or hold a, a fork or a cup. And yet we interact with people on a daily basis without worrying about when they reach these specific and very important benchmarks in life. And yet parents, we are constantly bombarded with these fears that our children are not measuring up because they don't meet certain benchmarks at a particular age or stage in their development. And I think it's, it's really sad, but it's important to recognize that it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be a fearful process. It really can be a joyous exploration of whatever interests you. And it's something that we get to do together as a family. And that's what I love so much about our family's world schooling journey is that we really get to do it together. Are there any common mistakes that homeschoolers make that you can help people avoid? Well, I think the reason I spent so much time talking about de-schooling first is because the most common mistake I see is parents who are withdrawing their children from a traditional school setting and maybe giving themselves, I've seen as little time as a weekend or a week, or more commonly, the what they expect is their traditional summer vacation to kind of transition before opening up this pre-boxed curriculum that they've purchased on the recommendation of a friend or an online review. And they expect that they're going to open up these new textbooks and workbooks, and they're going to sit down at home, just like it was the normal school day from nine o'clock in the morning until three o'clock in the afternoon. And the children are going to learn at this steady and consistent pace, just like they expect and remember things from their own school days. And homeschooling very rarely looks like that in my experience. In fact, the first thing that I hear parents who have done this say is they comment with such shock and amazement at how what they expected would take up, you know, an hour of reading or math time. And it really takes anywhere from five to 10 or maybe 15, 20 minutes. And then they're left with, well, I had planned for this to be an hour. What else am I going to do with all this time? So this is why, as I said, it's really important to de-school, to sort of temper your expectations of what school is going to look like and not expect that it's going to be a simple recreation of a typical school day with ringing bells and one hour sessions of math and reading and history and whatever else in a very rigid and structured way. Our homes are 
not that kind of place. There's a reason that that tends to happen in a different building, a different facility, a different place outside of where we live and where we're most comfortable. And so I really, really emphasize to brand new homeschooling parents that the home is really the most important aspect of the homeschooling environment. Back to de-schooling quickly. Again, the listeners, we're speaking to people who are considering this as an alternative for the next year, maybe the next school year, as we're trying to figure out what the coronavirus situation is. And then you have the de-schooling concept, which I understand it. It's stepping away and I get that. But then the timeframe that you mentioned was surprising to me, a month per year that they've been in traditional school. So that could be six months. It could be eight months. So for people that are looking at maybe a year of something a little bit different, how would you address concerns of spending half of that time de-schooling and then they might go back to a traditional school next year? Is de-schooling something that should be saved if this is a, a decision that you're fairly sure you're going to go down the route of homeschooling? Or would you still advise experimenting with the de-schooling even if they think they might go back to traditional school next year? I recommend de-schooling for absolutely everybody. Even if the plan is just taking off for a year, and planning to return to a traditional school environment. And the reason is that even in that process of taking the traditional schoolishness or formal teaching out of the equation, that doesn't stop our learning, not as children, not as adults. We as human beings are hardwired to learn. It's just the way that we're built. And I encourage parents to observe what it is their children are learning. What is it that really lights them up, that gets them most excited? What do they want to talk about 24-7, 365? Because that is what really gives the greatest insight into how you can capitalize on the child's interests to really boost his self-confidence, his natural inquisitiveness, that, that curiosity and that zest for life that could be the, the trigger that helps them find what it is they're most passionate about, what their drive is to contribute to the world. What could be more exciting than that? I always like to ask about myths or misconceptions about a topic that we can help dispel. And you mentioned one earlier with social life Mm -hmm. aspects and the myth about that. Are there any others that you can share? Yes. I think it's a myth that everyone who homeschools is doing so for religious reasons. There are just as many homeschooling families who are incorporating the specific aspects of their faith and faith teachings into their daily curricula as there are families who might not adhere to a specific faith or who might not have that as the specific reason for wanting to take charge of their child's educational journey. I think it's a myth that, you know, as we said, homeschooling children are only interacting with their parents all day, every day, or that without guidance, all children will do is play video games all day long. Although I do uh, let parents know that if gaming is something that their child is interested in and it's something that they may have limited in the past, then yes, that first release, the child's instincts might be, well, let me get in as much of this as possible while the restrictions have been lifted. And that might be uh, something that parents are very concerned about. Again, I come back to the fact that no matter what it is we're doing, there's still learning happening. And I look at my own son who, again, also loves playing video games and the incredible resourcefulness 
that he utilizes in trying to find, you know, different aspects of how to make progress when he comes up against some sort of a challenge or obstacle that is preventing him from making progress in a particular game. And it's really exciting to see the different ways in which his brain works and how he utilizes the resources at his disposal and his problem-solving skills in order to overcome those challenges. So never fear that our children are not learning or that they're not learning enough. In my experience teaching, like I said, for almost 25 years now, our children are always, always learning. And I feel like it's our responsibility as adults to take a step back rather than interrupt that learning and to see it for what it is, even if it might not necessarily look the way we expect it to. Okay. You mentioned gaming and it's certainly different than TV, but I think those are two things that a lot of parents can get concerned with finding the right balance of using those. How would you sum up your philosophy on that gaming, television, things like that with a bit of a more organic daily structure than school would provide? I think that there are really valuable learning experiences as well as, you know, just sort of entertainment and relaxation and restorative processes that happen in us as human beings when we're, you know, watching television programs or movies or playing video games. It's fun. We have games and programs that we enjoy watching, playing, participating in as a family together that encourage and really provide amazing jumping off points for conversations around the dinner table that help us to explore what it really means to be a global citizen a responsible and independent individual. And so, as I said, it's a wonderful jumping off point for what are very important conversations about the things that we prioritize as a family. And I think there is amazing, not just educational value, but communicative value and relationship building value. And as we continue to do those things, as we have those conversations, it really helps to engender trust in the relationship. And I think that there is nothing more critical in this process than doing everything in your power to really build up that trusting relationship between adult and child. Karen, we've covered a lot on a complicated topic. Are there any final key tips for success that you can help people with? Well, as I said earlier, I think it's important to remember that learning is really and truly a lifelong undertaking. And so when parents have these fears about, you know, what they might be missing during you know, this process of embarking on homeschooling, road schooling, unschooling, world schooling journey, whatever that might look like, to remember that this is not a sprint. It's not just for the next week, month, year, five years, 10 years, but this is really about instilling the sort of love of learning about curating the curiosity and really building up self-confidence to enjoy and love learning for a lifetime. When you really think about it in those terms, I think that that really helps to dispel the fear. And I hope that parents really stay present and enjoy the journey. Because for me personally, not just as an educator, but as a parent, it's a really magical experience. That is a great wrap up. Karen, where can people find you online? Where should we send them? Well, the best place to find me is on our website at ourkitchenclassroom.com. 
and for parents who are looking for more ways to incorporate food and all the amazing multi-sensory experiences that that can imbue to make the learning more meaningful and more memorable in your family, you can join our Play With Your Food community. And you can find that on Facebook. Hashtag Play With Your Food. Fantastic. Karen, thanks again for joining. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Damien. I appreciate the opportunity to share. I hope you have enjoyed this talk with Karen. If you are pondering homeschooling, road schooling, world schooling, you have a bit more information to help you. As I said, I found it to be a pep talk for those that are thinking about this. Her enthusiasm really comes through. It's an overwhelming topic. I hope you enjoyed. I have the usual favor to ask. I would love to help get the word out about the show. Share it with a friend. Leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you are not subscribed, please do so so you can get show updates. Anything that you can do would help. I appreciate it very much. Thanks again. Safe travels. Bye.